My guest today is Katie Hess, a flower alchemist, TEDx speaker, author of Flower Evolution and founder of Lotus Way, one of the world's leading floral apothecaries. Katie is one of my favorite human beings on earth. She's a return guest. She was one of my very first guests on episode five. And in this episode, we dive into so many different realms. And as I was re-listening and editing this episode, it felt like a ceremony. It is very rich. There are so many layers. You might be called to listen to it more than once. And some of the things that we talk about are gathering of the healer warriors, developing a new model of medicine, the importance for healers to first heal themselves as number one core value. I share some of my recent experiences with Lotus Way Flower Elixirs. We talk about creating the energetic space for business expansion. Katie shares about how flowers work and what botanical Wi-Fi is. We discuss uprooting self-violence and tuning into the frequency of self-love. We also talk about dogs being profound mirrors and teachers. And we dive into biological dentistry and building the muscle of self-trust and hooking from being right, trusting the unknown, the miracles that can happen when you start working with flowers, our bodies as a temporary temple, lessons that Katie and I are currently both moving through, what flowers you can turn to for hopelessness and grief, finding your home wherever you are in the world, the gift of expanding into receiving, the dance between business and spirit. And we also talk about rituals around social media, the power of saying no. And at the very end, Katie gives me a mini flower reading and shares what the flowers that I'm currently drawn to mean about where I'm at in my journey and how I can utilize the beautiful wisdom of plants to expand into the lessons I'm moving through. There are so many interesting things we cover here. This is one of the most raw and deep conversations I've probably ever had in my life, not just on the podcast, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Before we dive into the conversation with Katie, I want to share two things. The first one is her full bio because she's somebody who is such a multidimensional being and there are so many cool things that she is creating in the world. So I want to make sure that I give you a little background before we jump into the conversation. And I also want to share a discount with you for Lotus Way. If you're called to try some of the flowers that we talk about yourself or one of my favorite ways to work with Lotus Way flower essences is to go into the site and to just start browsing, maybe type in a keyword of what's moving through my experience, see what shows up, and then trust my intuition. So if you are called to try Lotus Way flower products, you can go to lotusway.com and use code Xenia15. That's K-S-E-N-I-A-1-5 to get 15% off. And that code will be valid through the end of 2022. I will link all of the flowers and blends that we mention in the show notes. So as always, you can find them on kseniabrief.com. And here's Katie's bio, just to give you an idea of what kind of human being she is and the beautiful things she is creating in the world. Katie Hess is an expert of flower alchemy, using the healing power of flowers to awaken our true potential. She is the author of Flower Evolution and founder of Lotus Way a leading flower elixir apothecary. She travels in search of rare flowers with the healing qualities most needed by today's world. From the forests of British Columbia to sacred sites in India, 
rainforests in Costa Rica, hot springs in Iceland, and the jungles of Taiwan. And in this interview, she also shares a little bit about the process, how she communicates with the flowers, how she combines them, and how these beautiful offerings come together. Katie captures the life force and activating potential of flowers and translates it into an accessible method to bring more happiness into our daily lives. One of the most sustainable forms of natural medicine, flower remedies are known for their short-term benefits like clarity, focus on sleep, and long-term benefits of rapid personal growth, which I can attest to because I've been working with them every single day ever since I met Katie, and they have been such beautiful allies on my path. Having gathered empirical research from thousands of private clients, Katie created a flower essence library with elixirs now used by people in more than 50 countries. She teaches mindful awareness practices at flower lounge events around the world and hosts the Flower Lounge podcast, featuring experts in unconventional paths to self-awareness with listeners in more than 75 countries. She is the founder of the Self-Arising Nature Center in Phoenix, Arizona, a center for flower essence education experiences and practitioner training. Whether it's hosting retreats, leading meditations, or her travels to find the planet's most powerful flowers, the essence of Katie's work is to awaken people to their own inner wisdom. Find out what your favorite flower means about you on lotusway.com. Here's Katie Hess. Four years later, you were one of my first guests on the podcast, 2018. It was back in my Brooklyn apartment right after we had a photo shoot with flowers and elixirs. I think cacao may have been involved too. And I think it may have even been at the same time that we did the crystal grid on my naked body. That mm, Eric sure was. was it all this, <laughs> why did we decide to do it all on the same day? And then at the same time, I also offered yeah. like a conscious social media experience to you and the team. I don't know what we were thinking doing it all at the same time, but it actually worked out beautifully. Yeah, it did. <laughs> That was episode number five. I kind of want to invite people to go check it out because you share your backstory there. But also when I go back all the way there, I'm like listening to myself and I don't recognize myself. I feel like my accent was so much thicker and I was so much more immature as a space holder and an interviewer. So since then, Katie, you and Flower Essences have been such a big part of my life. I have weaved them as part of all experiences that I've offered to my own students in my masterminds. I've attended your live events from New York City to now Austin. It so happened that you held a flower lounge in Austin the month that we moved here, which was so beautiful and divinely timed. And now I have the presence soothing mist here at my desk. If you're watching the video, it's this beautiful your packaging, your branding, there's just such sacredness and beauty to it that holds its own frequency. And even when I run out of the products, I typically refill it with other different supplements that I use or like a thermal water for my face. So I first want to just thank you for doing what you do and being such a generous teacher and leader in the space of speaking with the plants and for the plants. I feel like you're a flower yourself and introducing me and through me and beyond me, so many people to the healing power of plants that is flowers. 
Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am. I'm grateful to have. It's so nice to have friends that we kind of circle back around and around and that we can see all the different iterations over the years and be witness to each other's growth. It's really inspiring and encouraging. And also now I'm having flashbacks to the other things that we've done. We did an event together at Anima Mundi in Brooklyn. You did like a, a clearing and a ceremony and I did a cacao ritual. And I have also attended your private circle here in Austin. That was just such a, it was such a gift because one of the reasons I had moved to Austin with Eric is because I kept getting glimmers of the importance of community in my life and how vital it was to insert myself into situations and conversations and circles where we can be heart to heart, where it's not even about the words or the reason why we're getting together, but just this being together. And that was sitting in that circle and eating the delicious chocolate <laughs> that was there and being sprayed by all the flowers and the food that Justin made. In my heart was just so soaked with gratitude. This is what I've been calling in and it was an answer to my prayer. So I know you are an answer to so many people's prayers. And I would love to start by asking you what your own prayer is now, what is present, what is on your heart and what you're moving from. I mean, I have so many prayers, but I'll just start with the one that's the kind of freshest and leading me to my unknown edge, you know, like not sure where you're going with this, but it feels right. I'm looking at gathering sort of like healer, healer warrior types. I'm seeing a lot in the last few years that there's a sort of overlap of people who are in some sort of healing capacity. And they're also warriors or sort of like they value um, protecting what's meaningful to them. And warriors in the sense of like inner warriors, like transformation and unafraid to kind of go into the inner depths of themselves. So looking at assembling as many of those people as I can to develop a sort of new model of, I, I, dare I say this word, but medicine, you know, where healer, heal thyself is the number one core value, healer, heal thyself. It's like the practitioner's duty and job to heal themselves above all else. It's not about fixing or helping other people. And it's a medicine model or shall I say natural medicine model that is like open source code where it's not about fixing, solving, or, or helping. It's about asking open-ended questions and letting the client or the patient uh, derive their own treatment plan and their own approach. It's about practicing living in the question and not the knowing at all. It's about experience, um, interactivity, self-discovery, both on like a radically transformative individual level and collective. So I know that's a lot of words, but it's it's like finding those people out there who want to get together and create magic in a way that is healing both individually and for the collective on a, on a way that can really move the dial in ways that we maybe can't see visually. I feel that deeply and I've always seen you be in that role. You have this magnetic ability to bring people who are that, who are these warriors of truth and healing. And I've been seeing you do this for a long time. So how has it shifted and how has it shown up particularly in the flower lounge? And for those who don't know what flower lounge is, if you just want to introduce us to what that experience is. 
Yeah, so in a nutshell, the first one we had was in the fall of 2016 in New York City. And it started out because I wrote, I spent two years writing this book called Flower Revolution. And, you know, we had to have some kind of book launch party. And so I was like, well, I want it to be like, I want it to feel like India. I want it to be flower mandals. I want to have candles. I want to have yummy scents. I want to, you know, have delicious, like edible flower food. And so I kind of started there. And we did our first event. And I remember probably speaking to one to 200 people for like 15 minutes and maybe leading a two minute meditation. And it was like so simplistic, Senya. And, and then we had like a book signing line. And there were orchids hanging from the ceiling. And I mean, it was really beautiful. But I remember my team at the end of the night, we were like, what the heck just happened? Because people came to us in tears. They were like crying. They were like, oh my God, I needed that so bad. And we were like dumbfounded. We were like, but we didn't do anything. Like, what did we do? We didn't do anything, you know? And then we realized, like, just as you were saying in your intro, that people just need a space to be. We're doing so much constantly. And to create this altar where you can come back to yourself and to this beingness where you don't have to perform, you don't have to chit-chat, you can just be, uh, is valuable. And so from that point on, we said, well, even though the book launch is over, you know, we did four different cities and we should keep doing these events and evolve them because people everywhere need this apparently. So we did, I don't know, 20 some events um, in three or four different countries. Some of them like driving cross country. <laughs> it was like crazy stories and videos. The culmination of all of those events at the time led to purchasing in 2018 a 15,000 square foot building. And we went from, you know, this tiny little house in a funky neighborhood that we were operating a couple different businesses out of to like this massive space. And then we were like, wow, we have this beautiful space. What are we going to do with it? And then 2020 hit, 2021 hit. For a while, we, we put a school in the building because so many kids were struggling online. And that was a really fun experience. And now, uh, you know, we were able to finally fly um, without masks. And so we did another tour. And, and so it's like, oh, what's, what's this one going to culminate in? And so in a couple of weeks, we're doing a week of experiences and healing sessions and events here in this Phoenix headquarters. And what I can see that is culminating into is this sort of first look or glimpse of this new medicine model. And the wild thing is, is we have, I'm sure we're going to be sold out. I think we have over 100 people already purchased tickets for the Flower Lounge event. Here, 50% of them are not from Phoenix. They're flying in from all over the country. Isn't that nuts? I, I mean, you, I'm not surprised because you did create an invitation for people to create this retreat where they come and they see the practitioners that you work with and they treat it as this immersive healing experience and community experience. So I'm not surprised. And then from there, you know, who knows what'll happen. The space here in Phoenix is always available. You know, if there are people who are out there who are listening, who are searching, who are, um, you know, wondering about their physical health, their emotional health, you know, what's my purpose? Where am I going? Or I have this particular sticky challenge. Um, it's nice to be able to have a net or hammock, you know, of practitioners that will support collectively and collaboratively. So interesting. What comes to mind is 
Mm-hmm. I feel like there's so many brands nowadays in this new world of social media that when they think about community to them, it's social media numbers. I know there's so many brands and, and businesses that are a lot more multidimensional and deep, and I've worked with so many of them. And yet the old marketing paradigm, I feel like teaches us that community is just a number on our social media account. And you've taken this to a whole other level. I mean, this commitment to having a 15,000 square foot building and the space that it takes for you as a human who started it all to hold and to be an invitation for others to step into their medicine, step into their craft. I'm curious, what did it take from you energetically to create the space to hold this kind of physical space? <laughs> well, and I mean, in some ways, it's like many breakdowns, you know, that's the real story is like, you have to break down the old model in order to build up the new. And it could be something as simple as like, I remember in late 2018, I was the only person here because the rest of the team was still at the small house. And we were getting the floors polished, ripping out the old carpet, you know, polishing this beautiful concrete that's underneath everything from 1970. Working with these Navajo crews, you know, they're all like a bunch of guys. And then I'm supposed to tell them how to do it better or like you didn't do that or you said you know, if anyone has ever done any remodeling in their house is like one of the hardest things to do, you know? It really pushes you to your edges of speaking your truth and what you want. Yeah, for sure. I had that experience. Dust everywhere, dirty, and you're just kind of like there by yourself in this world that, you know. So I remember that particular time just feeling in my physical body, almost just like, oh, stretched, almost like sick, almost not well with just that kind of when you stretch a, a rubber band too much. Um, so that was kind of like the first stretch after that, maybe in different ways, internal fortitude and resilience that come through struggle, essentially. I think that's how most of us grow. <laughs> I hate to mm. say it. But. <laughs> the unknown. Yeah. The unfamiliar. It's when we hold on to the comfort and the known where we kind of put ourselves in a self-made prison of limitation when it seems like the right thing to do and the safe thing to do. Absolutely. And then, I mean, not to be focused, you know, ultimately on struggle, there is also the like, oh, now we, here we are in more space. Like, what do we do with this? Oh, wow. What could we do with this? You know, and kind of like jiggling your brain enough so that you can think outside the box, the box that you've been in, like you said. What kind of impact has moving into this building had on the business in terms of where your energy flows and what creations come through? Moving into this building? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. I mean, I can't, I like literally cannot even imagine still being in that same little house. I'm talking 1,300 square feet built in 1939 in a rough neighborhood. Like most people would be like, what? You grew your business out of there? Like it's just inconceivable. I don't even know how to tell you what's changed everything. Um, And in essence, like we haven't changed as human beings. We're still the same, but it's like putting on a bigger pair of shoes. You know, you've got to then grow your feet bigger or something. (laughs) (laughs) How's that going? What flowers are you taking for that? (laughs) Oh my God, we want something different. We have um, a new blend coming in 
we're going to just kind of like reveal it quietly in a couple of weeks. I'll make sure to send you some. It's called Divine Within. Mm-hmm. And we've, you know, over the years, we started with 18 really powerful blends that focus on like individual acquired patterns from your family lineage and childhood. And then we moved into the sacred series, which is more like collective consciousness. And then we're moving into the divine series, which is also like more collective. And the one that's coming is focused on uprooting this habit that we have of, how should I describe it? Almost like self self-sacrifice, self-sabotage, self-violence in a sense, self-harm. And I don't necessarily mean physically, although it can include that, um, so that we can really on a much deeper level understand, experience what is self-love. First of all, I'm very, very excited about that. I've been going on the whole journey of sacred body, sacred heart, and now sacred awareness. And it's been really holding me through all these different chapters of deciding to sell our house and move from the Catskills and moving to Austin and then building a home here and then getting a puppy. And me first couple of weeks thinking, can we give her back? Like, what's the return policy? This is too much on my nervous system, way too much. You're so honest and lovely. (laughs) And then seeing the gift of listening to her needs, listening to my needs and finding this balance of where we can meet each other and seeing her playfulness as just a desire to be alive instead of to terrorize me and like haunt me (laughs) and figuring out all the different barks and the sounds that she has and what they mean and honoring all of it and changing my mindset from, oh my gosh, literally Googling how do people still have a life after they get a puppy to finding myself a couple of weeks later, just so expanded and having made this conscious choice of instead of feeling like a victim in awareness that I did put myself in this position, but still feeling like my time is being stolen. My time doesn't belong to me. I don't know when I'm going to be available. How can I schedule anything in my life? How can I get anything done to creating this vision of I'm going to be the most creatively expressed I've ever been and I'm going to be so productive and I'm going to listen so closely and I'm going to be so present. And so now every time I put her in her crib, Allison Charles has seen it. I just kind of like when it's nap time and I know all her needs are met, I literally just stuff her in her crate. I swaddle her in a blanket. I put all her toys on her and I say, okay, it's nap time. And I leave and I go to my desk and creation begins and I feel more present than ever. So she was this immense invitation into presence. And then the, this series of flowers has really, really supported me in that even further. And it's been such a gift to work with it. I'm going to spray some now actually. Mm. So I've heard you explain flowers and how they work with people on subtle levels and what difference they make. And yet every time I hear you explain it again, like you did at the Flower Lounge in Austin, something in me just shifts. Something opens up and the way that I receive them goes to a whole other level. So I would love you to explain because I know that you've also been expanding your own understanding and ways to explain this. So I would love you to speak to 
whatever you're called to say around why flowers, why you think you were chosen to work with them and speak for them and how they work. Mm. So what comes to mind first is one thing that we do understand is when we're on our cell phones for a really long time, we feel drained. We know that to be true uh, or electronics in general, even though we love them. And that is a level of energy that we can't see. We know that's true. And we also know our cell phones work and they transmit messages and poetry and podcasts and all the things we love through space, invisible waves, right? It's pretty fantastical and science fiction-y, these tools that we use every day and that we're so addicted to. And we become even more addicted to over time, myself included. We know that to be true. And then we go outside and we go into nature and the same thing is happening. If we are aware of it, we can detect it, except um, instead of draining us, it's filling us up. And it's the invisible waves, you know, the floral but botanical Wi-Fi that's occurring in Mother Nature. You want to know something super interesting that I just learned in the last couple of weeks. Have you ever heard of live blood analysis? No, what is that? It's something that I did like 15 years ago, and I'd kind of forgotten about it for a very long time. And it's where these practitioners who have really beautiful microscopes will squeeze out one to three drops of blood, put them on a slide, and then, you know, inspect your blood through a slide. They project it up on a screen, and you can see exactly what's happening in your blood. And it's so different from, like, for example, if your naturopathic doctor asks you to go get, like, some hormone panels or blood test, you know, they're actually, the blood that they collect is kind of, it's already dead at that point, you know? Like by the time they get it through all the lab tests, you know, it's been a while that it's been outside of your body. Whereas this is like immediately you're looking at it on a screen. These are the fluids that are moving through your body. And so I remember doing this like 15 years ago, enough to remember like these are probably what the cells should look like. Here's a condition of, ooh, scary, need to make some changes in my health, right? And I just got a bug in my butt about a month ago and I thought, you know, I really want to find someone who does that. And so we did. And we've been on this interesting empirical research collection of, and, and what has shocked me is, you know how, Ksenia, I usually talk about flower essences in such a like energetic cellular memory, almost kind of like you kind of have to visualize it, right? It's like in your aura and it's, you know, the cellular memory that comes through your DNA from your lineage. And then here we are looking at blood cells in a microscope and you can see a difference in your blood in like seconds of using flower essences. It is the most phenomenal thing. You know, you could see- What is see, the difference? How do you, what do you see? There's so many different things. I mean, one thing is, Sometimes uh, people's blood cells become all like jammed together when they're, they call it agglutination, when they're um, kind of in an inflammation state. And, all, and your red blood cells are supposed to be kind of all spread apart and beautiful and perfectly round and free flowing. And so when you see all of them like jammed up in this traffic jam, you know that something's up. Well, if you take some flower essences and then you do another analysis, you see them all of a sudden, free-flowing, beautiful round spheres. There's also a difference in the time that it takes for pathogens, like you know the natural kind of yeast, mold, bacteria, and things that you can see in your blood. They kind of start to take over. There's a delay in them taking over. So it it disempowers the, the things that want to 
weaken us and it empowers, you know, our natural vitality and strength. It's just the, the, the weirdest thing is you can see it. Like, you know, you don't expect to see it. You think like more in terms of like etheric body and it's something we can't see. So we have to give all these metaphors and suddenly <laughs> we can see it. <laughs> so what does that make possible? You know, what kind of conversations does that open up on a world scale? I think especially for the Western mind, you know, as a Western mind, we just love to see things to believe them. You know, I spent the last 20 some years trying to figure out 20 different ways to explain this to people so that they could visualize what's happening. And then if they're open-minded, they try them and they feel it. And you can't argue with what they feel and what they experience. But when you can actually see it, I think that broadens the range of who's open to it. And it also, in some ways, I mean, look at me. I've been taking flower essences for 20 some years and I'm still shocked. I know they work, you know, but I'm like, geez, even I'm not taking them enough. Like I need to be taking them more often than I'm taking them because when you see such a radical shift, it's like, holy. And, you know, you know, intellectually that everything you eat, everything you think, everything you do, the people you're around, the energetic influences you're around, like hypothetically, you know that everything matters, but you kind of forget. So when you see that rapid change, it just gives you so much more encouragement to, I don't want to say do the right things because there's no right or wrong, but like do the things that nourish and awaken you. I love that invitation so much. I feel like this return to the simple things that we do in our everyday lives is such a profound one that I'm moving through. It's about each and every interaction I have. It's not just about how often I sit down to meditate and what I write in my journal and how gracious I am to whoever, you know, I'm doing a coaching session with, but can I offer that grace that's not even mine, but flowing through me in every interaction I have, including myself. And anytime I hold on to any emotions that don't serve me, they're affecting me first of all. And actually having a puppy has been such a diffuser of that. It's like, sometimes I will notice that I'll notice myself get short-tempered and lose my patience. And then I noticed that Eric, my husband, he also is moving through that. And then sometimes through how impatient we are with the dog or how patient we are, I can kind of track who it originated from and I can choose to powerfully surrender it and be like, okay, I, I see. This was actually not mine. I was just taking it on. Thank you, puppy, for bringing us into this. And I can then choose to hold a heart-centered space for us all to move back into our essence without having to like point fingers. It's kind of like she's there as this mirror to what love and truth is unconditionally. And that switch back to remembering that I have the choice to be love in every moment. It's there. It's always there. Dogs are such great teachers. They really are. I mean, I, we have um, one dog that comes to the office and I regularly look to her for cues. You know, she likes to be around people. She's like a healer dog. She'll come around when somebody needs a little extra. Um, they might think she needs the healing, but it's actually the other way around, you know? Yeah. And so I like, why? I watch a dog for cues. It's it's so interesting. Um, and then I notice a lot of times that pets will need the same flower essences that their owners do. And that oftentimes pets will take on 
whether it's emotional challenges or even physical. My heart dog who died when she was 17, she had like anemia and so do I. So it's like, they're powerful creatures, you know, Mm -hmm. and they, you know, not only teach us, but they can take things on for us. And it's um, fascinating to see that reflection process, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things, if you Google it and go to the logical explanation of things, it says dog's consciousness (laughs) is about two and a half year old human being. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. I really no. don't. And no. so I keep like searching for answers on Google of where do dog souls come from? Can humans be reborn as a soul in a dog and all these multidimensional things, but there is no explanation. Maybe there is, but certainly not on Google. So I'm just being <laughs> with the experience and asking myself and her these questions. And actually the first time I asked her the question, show me who you are. Tell me about your soul. I was holding her. She's growing by five pounds a week. She's she's getting huge so quickly. It's insane. (laughs) So I'm holding her and I took a a picture of us in the mirror and that picture was totally normal. And then a few seconds later, nothing had really shifted. Seemingly, I take another picture and it is full of rainbows everywhere. And there's like an orb above her and there's a light on me. And then it happened again. Allison came over and we were playing and she saw something going on and she said, let me take a photo. She takes a photo and there's literally like a beam of light from the sky on both of us, plus like a a rainbow holding us and as a circle. And I think it's those moments that remind us that, all right, if you want to see signs, we'll show you signs, but you don't really need them because you already feel that there's something else deep inside. I'm glad that you decided to trust that over Google. <laughs> That's Google way sucks. more advanced than Google. <laughs> Truly. You know, I've also been researching. Uh, I'm just discovering biological dentistry. And it's given me an answer to an issue I've been intuitively having. And the moment that the dentist told me that root canal is not recommended, there could be bacteria and all kinds of things growing in my jaw, It was just like a full body lightning buzz. Like, yes, thank you. I've been looking for years for an explanation for my mucus and I've tried every herb there is. I've talked to doctors, to alternative medicine practitioners, nothing has helped. And um, here we are on Monday, I have my surgery. And in preparation, I've been searching on Google, you know, what are some things that can happen as a downside of a root canal? And all I'm seeing is how good it is to get a root canal. So I feel like we're circling all the way back to the beginning of this conversation of a different way to view medicine and healing and not separating the two as much. It's like I needed to intentionally seek out somebody who is alternative in the world of dentistry to tell me this after seeing so many other practitioners who said it's totally fine. And so sometimes it takes that seeking out to find our answers and Google is not the place. It really does. You know, it's like, um, I just did the same thing yesterday where I, I was searching cobalt trace minerals because, you know, this particular practitioner shared, you know, so many people are anemic. They don't have enough iron, but now we see these people who are just like eating so much beef and red meat and they're still anemic. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're low in B vitamins. Well, why are they low in B vitamins? They take B vitamins. It doesn't help because they're low in this trace mineral called cobalt. We never hear about cobalt. 
right? And this is, you know, very simple liquid trace mineral that you can take. Well, if you Google cobalt and trace minerals, the only information you see is like NIH, uh, you know, all these like big medical pharma sites, or you see Purina, like big uh, pet food things. And I it's like, holy, you know, this is so controlled. It's like way more controlled. You know, when we kind of like just evolved into the world of Google, we thought it was so cool. And it I, I believe that it actually was like scrubbing the internet, looking for the best information. Well, now it's so controlled. They only show you what they want to show you and what the kind of narrative or the story that certain people with lots of money or who pays them sponsorships wants you to see, right? And I, I agree with you that it's worth seeking out. It's like, we the people, we the people, we the people, we the people. It's in the people. It's not in Google. It's worth searching down those gems, you know, those folks who who know the answer about cobalt trace minerals or, or biological dentistry or root canals. And then when they present you with the info, then you get a chance like, oh, yeah, that full body, yes. And the more we can use flower essences, meditation, cacao ceremony, whatever tools we have to know when our body is like, yes. And then when we say like do a Google search and it's like something seems fishy about this and like really critically think about things. I think that is critical in this day and age. Mm. Yeah. I feel the same way. You know, it's yes, you can go and seek out various information, but then really tune into your body. What feels right for me and my body is always guiding me. And I know it's all, it's the same for everybody. You might just be more tapped in or less tapped in. But I'm curious, what are some flowers that you would recommend for being able to expand our awareness to what our body is communicating? Mm, so many. I mean, anytime you take flower essences, you will root into your sense of truth. It's like, it's like a roots in the ground. You root into your own truth. Um, but specifically, if you're looking to amplify those areas, we have this blend called inner knowing. Is it the redwood? Um, redwood's more about like community and structure and, mm. and, and like community support. But the fern is like, how do you let things unravel? How do you trust that you don't need to know all the steps between here and 15? You just have to know one. And by the time you get to like place one, you'll know what next thing to do for number two. And you just follow that. Um, it's like finding the path in the darkness and trusting yourself to know which way to go using your own inner compass. Indian paintbrush, instead of feeling lost with the unknown, feeling like it's an adventure and you can trust yourself to find the way. What else? You said body. Sacred awareness is this is another crazy blend. It's like tapping into the environment, into people, into community. It's almost like tapping. I know this sounds so woo-woo, but it's kind of the only way to say it, like tapping into particular energy grids so that you can resource information. Um, sounds crazy, but I think, you know, it's something that we're all capable of. And when you hear it, it's kind of like, oh, that sounds weird, but yeah, probably. I don't think that people <laughs> who are listening to this thinks it's weird. I actually, I would love to know more how you think about this and how you tap into this and what is available and, and why now is the time that those grids feel the most activated and calling in those who are meant to play a role in, in communicating with them. 
I mean, if you want me to be honest and say what I think I need to say uh, because of the flowers that we're working with, <laughs> I would say because I think the earth is not the earth. It's not the earth. Earth. It's not the earth. It's the world. The world is sort of in a dire position. And I don't say that in a negative way, but it's like everything that we think is true is actually the opposite. Everything that's being presented to us is actually the opposite. The truth is the opposite. So like, for example, people will say, uh, oh, we need to save the earth. We need to save the climate. We need to have electric vehicles. And if you really, really employ your brain cells and you look forward into the future and you look at those batteries that are in electric cars, you will see that the the substance from the electric batteries is going to destroy the water table. It will destroy the earth. So it's like one picture being painted, but nobody's looking at the other side. Or, you know, all these people who call you and say, are you putting solar panels on your house? This is the way to save the world. And solar panels are one of the most toxic industries from creation to implementation to what do you do with them when they're, you know, waste. They're extremely toxic to the earth. So we're in this position where there's so much virtue signaling and so much like rah-rah around what's supposed to do this or that or, you know, what what's the right thing to do. And in most of those cases, if you really look deeply and educate it's the opposite. So um, I think, you know, and, and it's not like, it's not judging anyone, it, you know, or saying like, you know, maybe there are certain people who do have a, a negative agenda, but most people are just kind of wandering around trying to figure out what's right. And that's where I think the piece of tapping into what's true and to particular like pure energy grids like that of the earth is so important and being able to tap into our own knowingness um, and be a leader and be unafraid to say what's really true for us. I had my spiritual teacher told me a long time ago, you know, when I joined these like years ago, I joined like a sustainability group in the spa industry. And he was like, it's like humans. He's like, humans can't save the earth. Only trees can. I was like, Oh, yeah. And since that moment, I've seen all these kind of like climate initiatives in a really different way, because if humans can only destroy the earth and humans actually can't save the earth, it's our pride that makes us think we can. And actually only trees can save the earth. <laughs> and it's like, well, then all we have to do is plant more trees and let the trees take care of it, you know, and then also like minimize and really think wisely about what are the choices that we're doing under the guise of we think we're saving the earth, you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I've gone through that journey myself as well of, <laughs> you know, going into the mentality of trusting that what I'm being told the best thing is, is the best thing, to then completely swapping all of my perspectives on everything and always holding space for the duality of there's some agendas I'll never understand. Yes, right. there's some people driven by things I will never understand. And at the same time, there's so many people thinking that they are doing their best honoring everybody's journey. And I think, you know, to be honest, some of it based on my own kind of journey of going to being such a people pleaser with what I think I believe in and how I act to really stepping into my truth and putting the peace of my human and my family unit as the priority of me in the world, because that is creating all these energetic ripples in everything I do. And that's the biggest impact ultimately I can make in the world because it touches everything that I 
put out there in every conversation I have and every word. And at the same time, you know, holding space for how unique everybody's journey is. But what I've learned from my own journey is that sometimes this kind of desire to do the right thing is more so addiction to either belonging or addiction to fighting or addiction to being right. And once we are willing to put all those on the shelf and look past them and look into what is actually, what actually feels like peace, what actually feels like truth right here, right now, not going anywhere outside of myself, everything suddenly changes. And that's been my experience. Yeah. It sounds too like something I've been contemplating also, which is like living in the question. Because you can, any which way you go about it, you can get fanatical and feel like you're right and full of pride and I know the right way and, you know, totally relate to that. It's like unhooking from that into like a spacious realm of unknown and a spacious question and just living in the question. I remember a teacher told me once, it was the most bizarre thing, right? Because we've been so, kind of it's been ingrained in our mind that the exhaust that comes out of a car is is damaging, right? And and I remember being in Mexico and like some of the old buses are like, like blast all their exhaust out <laughs> and you're like coughing on the street. It was like bad, 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 right? It's bad for the environment. And then I had a teacher ask me once, he said, think of the most polluted cities that you've been to. And so I'm thinking, okay, yeah, Mexico City, whoa, super polluted. Like your eyes hurt within 20 minutes of landing there. And he said, is it barren or is it lush plant-wise? I'm like, oh, weird. It's totally lush. As a city, it's like trees, bushes, flowers, lush. And he's like, yeah, because the plants love the exhaust. They eat it. Like it's made of plants. He's like, what is what is petroleum? I'm like, oh, oh my God. It's like, yeah, it's like melted down, fermented, like kombucha of the plants stuck in the earth for a long time. And then, you know, refined a bit and then it comes out and he's like, yeah, it's from, made from plants and the plants eat it and they love it just because it's bad for us humans. You know, we don't want to like breathe in a, one of those like old bus fumes in Mexico City, but the plants love it. And I thought, holy. And then we're in this incredibly intimate relationship with plants and trees where one tree produces enough oxygen for two humans. So one tree that's in your surroundings produces enough oxygen for you and Eric. I mean, it's like, how do we forget that we're like making love essentially with this exchange of oxygen and carbon dioxide with the plant world? And yet we know so little about it. It's just like fascinating to me. So that kind of like living in the question, being super curious and breaking down anything that we've held to be so firm for so long to be true and just opening our minds. It's so important. Mm. Opening our minds and um, remembering that thinking that we have any answers to anything is almost <laughs> like disregarding the big mystery of exactly creation itself yeah. and everything right. about it. Cause there's still so many things that we cannot explain. And I think it's beautiful that there's some science coming in to explain flower essences more with that blood test. But at the same time, do we actually need it? Cause you knew it all along, Katie, like how many miracles have you seen occur through people taking flower elixirs around you oh i mean it's yeah phenomenal 
people will come in with, you know, a laundry list of like 15 things that are making them feel hopeless in their life. And within a matter of three weeks, they come back and they're like, well, I just decided, you know, I realized I couldn't change any of it. So I just put it all down and they're laughing and enjoying life. And I mean, everybody should have the opportunity to feel that way, to feel less burdened by their own self-limiting beliefs, to feel more reconnected to their own true nature, which is that of like expansion and spacious joy, you know, like when we're kids and that's it. That's like, that's, that's it. You hit it. It's living in the mystery, you know, like birthing a baby, pregnancy. What is that? You know, it's a total mystery. Death. What a beautiful process. It's absolutely a total mystery. And in, in a sense, it's kind of like, it's much more fun to live there than having all the answers. <laughs> Before we continue, here's a word from Advertising with Zancaster, the sponsor of this episode. Have you ever bought anything after hearing an ad on a podcast? I know I have. Okay, this is really fascinating. One of my favorite podcast hosts ran an experiment in which he stopped doing ads on his show. The outcome blew him away because a massive amount of people asked him to bring the ads back. Product recommendations is one of the reasons people love his show. They know that he only vouches for products he personally tests and approves, and I know I have bought many things from his ads. And I have the same policy for my show. I only promote products that I actually use and recommend myself, and I've been so lucky to have incredibly aligned sponsors on the show. Here's another interesting fact. Podcast advertising is four times more effective than display advertising for conversion. 67% of listeners remember brands they hear about, and 63% make a purchase. If you have a brand or a product that you're ready to grow, podcast ads could be an incredible investment. Whether you want to diversify your ad spend, add a new marketing stream, or test out podcast ads, Zencaster, a longtime partner of the show, now has its own creator network that makes it easy for brands to connect with podcasters with aligned content and audiences. Post-read ads, like what I'm doing right now, are the most effective form of podcast advertising. Zencaster works with podcasters to help create unique-to-them ad spots that create brand awareness and conversion. Here's the thing. You don't need to have an enormous budget. Zencaster has been running pilots and has proven that smaller podcasts when it's the right fit, can outperform bigger ones in a variety of verticals. If you're interested in sponsoring podcast ads for your business, and maybe even this show, go to zen.ai slash web8 and fill out the contact form so that Zencaster can help you bring your business story to life. What is the flower for that you would recommend for that feeling of hopelessness and overwhelmed by what's going on in the world? Um, hopelessness. And we have a blend called Sacred Heart. And it's nine different flowers. Most of them are white. And it's that kind of, yeah, hopelessness, grief. It's almost like you have to hit the bottom in order to bounce back up. And it helps you just very expediently, like crash and burn and so you can bounce up. So there's nothing that you're holding on to. It's actually really great to be hopeless. And when you're hopeless, you really just want to like hit the bottom, you know, like feel it all and then let it go um, or let it be or let it dissolve. So Pieris is a really good flower for that. Mm. 
and a lot of the orchids, uh, like Radiance Orchid and Pear Blossom, these are all like white flowers that are in this Sacred Heart blend. Really good for that. I'm going to link to all the different flower elixirs you're mentioning in the show notes. So if anybody wants to click and experience it for yourself, it's going to be handy. And with those blends, like the one that I have here, the Sacred Awareness, how do you come up with these blends? What is the process of working with all of these different plants and hearing what wants to be combined with what? Um, and also I mean, that brings me back to the question yeah. from before, which is why do you think plants chose you? <laughs> you knew I avoided that question. <laughs> um, I suppose we cho- chose each other, but so I'll stick with the first, the sacred awareness, the one you're holding in your hand. It has nine different flowers. If you dial back a few years ago, you would see me in Costa Rica, in South Dakota, in Taiwan, in the f- high elevation forest in Arizona, in different places collecting these flowers individually, one by one, out in the wild, collecting them, communing with the plants, much in the same way that you described the story of you talking to Shaq, to your puppy. This is the way that old medicine people, plant medicine and herbalists did it. You know, they, they asked the plant, what are you for? What can I tell people? Um, and, and then take extensive notes on it. And then um, we give the flower essence to about 150 people to really work with it on a more profound level and make sure that the notes that I took are correct and complete. And then from there, we bottled up nine different flowers into kind of like a synergistic blend. So that takes, I don't know, just like years of experience and trial and error and experience and empirical data and people just feeling it and understanding it. And then intuitively putting the blend together at the right time when people need it. You know, things change. Flowers, I think, appear when we most need them. Um, Just in the same way that like people appear when we most need them at times. Uh, Why did plants choose me? I chose plants. Why do plants choose me? I guess because I'm here to listen, because I was open enough to listen. You know, I mean, I think 20 some years ago when I first came back to the States from, you know, being in Europe and Asia and Mexico, people thought I was nuts. You know, you work with flower energy. Like, that's just totally, I mean, yoga wasn't even cool back then, <laughs> much less wow. meditation or anything else, you know? Um, you know, Americans are so skeptical and somehow, some way we've grown the business every single year and people have become more and more and more and more open and wanting to dive into those areas of self-discovery within themselves. And the more we listen, the more that that, the more we're given. The more we listen, the more gifts we're given, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, it's an interesting topic of choice. It's like, are we chosen or is it because we choose? And I think the most important divine choice that we make is to choose ourselves, to choose this body we've been given, to choose this lifetime, and to give ourselves that permission to show up fully as we are. And then from there, we find courage bit by bit, in my experience, to make more choices of humans we want to surround ourselves with for beings and creations that we become vessels for to birth into the world. But the most important one that I keep coming back to is choosing myself. And that's where it really starts. 
And nobody can give that to me. No healer, no psychic, no medicine person, no, not a lover, not a puppy, nobody. It's this deep choice every single morning, getting out of bed and choosing self. And then from there, everything else unfolds. Yeah, I think I wrote a blog post a couple of years ago. Flower essences aren't enough. <laughs> it's like they will open doors for you and then you have to walk through them. It's like everything can be laid out for you. But if you don't choose to just go there, it doesn't happen, right? It all starts from our pure motivation and action of discovery. What doors are you going through now, Katie? Mm. I, if I were to use your language, I would say deeper and deeper and deeper layers and levels of choosing myself that I did not know I was not choosing before. It's like it becomes more and more subtle and deep. Like you see how deep some of those old patterns are of, of self, self-punishment, self-limitation, you know, really trying to uproot those layers because I know that impacts how I am in community too. Everybody's a work in progress, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, and this is why you are such a powerful healer because you continuously look at those layers of self and you apply all these things to yourself. And when we apply our own medicine and our own magic to ourselves, that's how we continue being beacons for light, not just for ourselves, but for everybody around us. So I honor you for the courage to continue doing that. How about you? What doors are you walking oh. through? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it back on her. <laughs> doors am I going through? Well, the door of presence, which I shared with the puppy, the door of receiving is the one I kind of like kept peeking into for the last couple of years and not allowing myself to step through, not trusting my worth and not trusting that my worth doesn't come from producing anything. And phew, that's been so huge. So that that one feels like it's finally for the first time in my life clicking in. And one of the things that I've been discussing with my mentor is um, I was like, Michelle, it's so awesome. Finally, I'm starting to see that, you know, the way that Eric is holding down us as a family, as like this rock, as this foundation with all of his businesses and the um, abundance that that's brought into our lives. I wasn't allowing myself to see that I am as much part of it as he is. And then I allowed myself to see the side of it where, well, yeah, I, I make the amazing food and I make sure he remembers to go to the bathroom. <laughs> like Sometimes he's just literally in his office and he forgets about everything. So, I mean, bathroom is a joke, but yes, I do make food and I hold space and I listen to him and I support him and I remind him to go in his truth when he's at the fork. And she was like, yeah, this is really beautiful, but you've got to remember that the most important contribution you make is the energy that you hold and the places that he's been able to go as a result of what you do in the in invisible realm just wouldn't have been possible in any way if it wasn't there. And so 
I've taken it as my homework. This was our conversation just a couple of days ago to, okay, it doesn't even mean, you know, I'm producing food or I'm producing a child or I'm producing a clean home. I'm taking care of the puppy. Like all of that is great, but my true divine worth is unexplainable, can't be put into words. And it is more expansive than any of these things that happen in the earthly realm. So that's what I'm working on embodying. Amen. Love it. Yeah. You know, also a feeling of home, like really getting present with the idea that, yes, this has been such a beautiful and expansive move. Expensive too, because moving is expensive. (laughs) (laughs) And things got broken along the way and, you know, all the things. There was a moment where Eric thought that all his art got destroyed and it was devastating, Mm -hmm. but also it was the most beautiful divine exercise of actually him that was his moment of seeing that his creations are not actually what comes through and ends up being a physical object and these sculptures and this beautiful art but it's the energy that is cultivated in the moment of creation and that exists forever and that cannot be taken away and that cannot be destroyed there's a lot of lessons in that and then moving into this home that is a lot bigger than our tiny cabin and truly like creating these sacred spaces everywhere you look. I'm excited to have you over when you come back. It's around the corner from where I met you for the ceremony and we were literally moving in a day later. It was like, what? We literally live around here. Amazing. So home, the sense of home and also realizing, yes, it's so awesome to have this beautiful physical space to hold me in my creations. It's so awesome to have a beautiful car. I have my dream car that you got to see that I've wanted since <laughs> I was a teenager and I'm like driving it and it's so fast. And um, once kind of the rush and the high of all of that has settled in and I've allowed myself to receive that this is my reality now and I, I've expanded into it, there's really this awareness of what else is there who am I meant to be? Who do I choose to be? Who do I get to be? What do I bring into the world through who I am being? And what is really home? I find that my car is like a moving altar on wheels and I have like incense and all kinds of things in all of my cars and rooms, my home everywhere. But really the deeper question is what is home? And home is within. It's anywhere I go. And Right now, being in Austin, whenever I get the question of, so how are you like in Austin? How are you settling in? I'm realizing that, yes, this is a chapter and we're meant to be here, but I don't know if it's home and I don't know if there is meant to be one home for me. It's more of a cultivating home within myself, within my family unit, and then bringing that wherever we go and inviting others to experience what we get to experience within it too. And I've been thinking about you in the light of that too, of having traveled for a few months and having held such big space for a variety of people to be with you and be with flowers. How do you think about that sense of home? Mm. I mean, obviously it's fun. It's fun and challenging to travel. Like every city has such a different like energy and feeling and collective and vibe and food and visual kind of appearances. And it's really fun to see that and to explore and, see what different kinds of experiences are reflected in the team in each city. And then also that being said, like what I'm contemplating in my quiet practice alone at home, you know, after coming back is also the sense of like, even my body is temporary. 
like my body is a temporary home, but in the same way that I leave Phoenix to go to Miami, to go to Charleston, to go to Austin, to come back, there will also come a day when I also have to leave this temporary home, which is my body. And, you know, just looking at like, what are the parts of me that I will take with, you know, when your consciousness leaves your body and, and then what is my attachment to this, like, you know, fleshy kind of thing here? Uh, you know, if I gain a few extra pounds or if I get nice and fit or, you know, if I'm healthy or if I'm feeling tired one day, but ultimately that's also a temporary home. And I don't, again, don't have any answers for that, but it's a, an interesting way to, to be aware. You know, so often we're like not in our bodies and then we come into our bodies and then we realize that that's also a temporary home. Just an interesting way to look at life. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about what it means to go full out with tending to my body, especially as we look at me getting pregnant and, you know, that's a whole other journey um, for tending to one's body in my experience. And it's like, sometimes I'll think about just what it takes, like all the supplements and all the acupuncture sessions and like all the alternative things that I do. And I'm like, wow, this is like, somebody's salary is just how much I spend on maintaining my being, which takes care of both my physical and and my spiritual and my emotional. But then on the other hand is like, what else is there if not taking care of our vessels and taking care of our beings? It's like, I can't take resources to my grave and I'm given them so that I can be full expression of self and for me to be full expression of self it takes a certain level of that maintenance. And so that's also been like this lesson of receiving. It's okay to schedule a massage. It's okay to get two acupuncture sessions in a week if I want to also see it as spreading resources. When I choose to work with the practitioner who I think is doing beautiful work in the world, I get to vote with my dollar and empower them and doing more of them practicing their gift. And that's one of my favorite things about business, about healing, about interacting with people, about communities, like this exchange and, and this circle of how can we not just hold abundance, but live it and, and live it in a way where it keeps getting new life over and over and over again. I love that. That's such a good exercise too, to kind of ask yourself, how much can I receive? Ooh. Especially as women, we, I think a lot of us tend to like, you know, we'll be like, juggling 10 bags of groceries and someone's like let me help you and we're like no no I got it I got it I got it you know we're so proud of ourselves and to give you give yourself that opportunity to say like no actually how much could I allow myself to receive just as a, an experiment is in a like a really wonderful way kind of unnerving in some ways what does that Agreed. look like for you in your life mm. and business oh, gosh I mean, in some ways it's about team, right? Because you start with, you know, one person on your team and you have 10 and then you have 15. And then as your team grows, you're 
I'm constantly analyzing like, well, what is this person's skills? What do they do best? How can they, how can I delegate? Which are the things only I can do? Which are the things I can delegate to this person? Do I trust them to do it? Do I trust them to do a good job? Or maybe I know they're going to fail and I give it to them anyway, and they're going to, they're going to learn from it. You know, so it's that, um, how much support can I receive? But also like you were saying, empowering people to be in their gifts. It's also this beautiful gift to watch people evolve in their work and their qualities and their talents. And some people are really good at things that I'm not good at. It's kind of like how much support can I receive? And even, you know, I'm, I live in a big community. Oftentimes, you know, lots of people are coming over in the evenings for dinner. So if we have a cooking night, you might be cooking for like 10 or 12 or 15 people at a time. And it's like, can you can you let somebody come in and, and chop the cucumbers for you? Or are they going to do it like the wrong way or the different way? Or you yes. were going to do a better job or, you know, it was going to be a different shape or you know, mm-hmm. just like the silliness of all that. Like how much can you <laughs> let others contribute because it's good for them, you know, even if it's not in the way that you would have done it or mm-hmm. that you would expect. So and maybe that shape changes your life and you'd be like, where have I been <laughs> my whole life cutting them the wrong way? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> I love that so much. I know last time we talked about the dance between business and the spiritual and the energy world. And I'm curious how you feel about it and think about it and experience it now, that dance between being the boss and making the business decisions and being in that realm. And at the same time, going into the invisible and communing with the plans and practicing your own rituals. What is what does that dance look like and feel like for you these days? I mean, the, the, my theory never changes of the business can only be as good as you are. So to constantly evolve and look at your own glitch and look at your own shit and look at the areas that you need to improve at is so important. Me personally, um, I think I've been working more on discipline, on subtler and subtler layers. You know, when do I catch myself wanting something? That's wasted time. Like, just go do something. And it could be like very subtle layers of it, you know, like a moment of distraction. Or can I be disciplined enough to call somebody out? Like, okay, you didn't get this done. Why didn't it get done? because that improves them. Can I put aside my own discomfort with conflict to make someone a better person or to draw attention to something? So this, I guess, discipline of momentary, am I present? Am I distracted? What's happening on the inside? I think it's just um, something we do our whole lives and hopefully get better and better at it because the better we become and the more refined the more sort of access to we have of power, then that transmits to everyone and everyone has permission to do the same. Yes. I love that so much. Your business can be only as good as you are. That's going to be a quote. You're going to be seeing it everywhere in social media. So if you want to share it, you can go and (laughs) grab it and amplify that everywhere because it is such a potent reminder, just like the gifts, the medicine that we bring into the world, are as strong as how we apply it to ourselves. It's all like these different concentric circles of the same 
thing that we've been exploring. Speaking of discipline, I know that for a while you were sharing 10 things every single day on your social media. Yeah. And I would love to know more about that and where you're at in your relationship with social media. I know that the first time we spoke, you were just kind of toying with the idea of having your own personal account outside of Lotus Way. How do you feel about social media now and about showing up there and sharing there? Such a great question. I'm torn. Mm. That's my short answer. I'm torn. Um, again, I don't have the answer. I mean, I'm still in the question. And I think two, the two sides of that coin would be, you know, there's the one side that's like, I don't like Facebook anymore. Now Facebook owns Instagram. And the algorithm changed. And I don't even really know who sees my stuff anyway. And and also I'm really busy. And I want to be like super 500% present in my life. I don't want to be in this little scrolly thing, you know? So that's one side of the coin. The other side is like, but does it matter who sees it? You know, as long as you're not saying something that fa Facebook's going to flag you and like remember about you and then you'll be like a terrorist later on yeah. <laughs> or like persecuted on some level. As long as you're like careful about what you say, you know, my little, not the Lotus Way page, but the, you know, my little personal profile page is like, oh, that was a really nice little outlet for me to just like put my little poetry or my little impressions of the day. Oh, it is nice to look back on that and say like, oh, wow, yeah, I did that thing. Or for other people to go like, yeah, I feel the same way. Oh my God, I can't believe it. And connect with me and themselves in something they saw in a post. So I'm torn. I haven't posted anything for a really long time. I know. Mostly just, yeah, from like being so busy. But it's also... It's the being torn, right? It's when you're torn and then you just don't make a move. It's like, mm -hmm. and then the part of me that's like, does anybody really care about those 10 things? And is that really just like indulgent? And could I be doing something more of value to people? Is it really that beneficial to people? And those are questions I don't have the answers to. What would you say to someone like me? Mm. Well, I don't know what I would say to someone like you, but what I would say to you <laughs> is... It's interesting how when we are torn, when we're unsure, we kind of fully censor ourselves and we freeze mm -hmm. and we don't show up at all. One thing that I've done that has been extremely energizing and empowering is actually showing up and saying, hey, this is what's been on my heart. I don't know if this is helpful. I don't know if this is too self-centered or whatever, indulgent. And I don't know if I want to continue. And I've been so busy with the Flower Lounge and all these things. Um, and this is where I'm at. This is where my heart. And then like that's off your chest. And suddenly you feel like you're not speaking to your community from a stage anymore. But you're like in a circle, heart to heart. And from what I intuit, you will be blown away by how many people will be like, oh my gosh, I know you haven't posted, but I've been feeling that from you. Katie, I can't tell you how many times I've picked up on energies on social media and then it happens. Here's a crazy, funny, like ridiculous example. I don't know why this is meant to come through right now, but I remember looking at Giselle Bunhin's account months ago and just tuning into her energy and feeling like her husband is not in the picture energetically. I'm not feeling like he's not there. And then months later, the news break that they're getting a divorce. And there was no indications, no public information on that before. But I just like somehow picked up on it. And I don't think that I'm the only one who picks up on 
things like this. And there's already a TikTok that got served to me after going through this whole noticing these where somebody was talking about how she's actually like a healer and a seer and maybe even a witch. And she kept guiding him into ways to step into his higher self and he kept turning them down. And that's really why they got apart. I don't know. Probably will never know. None of my business. But when you are withdrawing, people feel it. So that could be one thing to do, just show up from where you are. And the second thing is ultimately whatever you show up and share the 10 things, whether that benefits somebody else or not, it doesn't matter because just like with Eric's art, you sitting down for that moment of creation and writing is a moment of creation. There's something that shifts in the ether and the ripples that makes not just on the outside and everybody who comes in touch with it, but on you is where the alchemy is and what matters the most, because it also becomes like this diary of celebration of life, this diary of aliveness of the things you're moving through. And how fun is it to be able to go back to your own stories, whether you actually ever do it like digitally or just energetically kind of travel back and be like, Oh wow, I remember writing this and this is where I was at and how amazing it is how I thought I could never open this door. And now I'm fully on the other other side and I'm so amazing. I love myself. You know, you just never know. I think it's just a beautiful opportunity to celebrate self and celebrate our human because there's a lot of things our spirits and our energies are holding and capturing visuals and words that um, celebrate those moments in time, I think can offer so much depth and meaning. So one more question for you. Mm. Do you make an intention, like much in the same way that before we started this podcast, you made an intention, which I really, really appreciate. I did that um, before every podcast with every guest for three years straight. And I, I love that kind of like yeah, we're friends and all, but then in the moment it's like, and this is what, why we are here and this is the importance of what we're doing and we are claiming that and projecting that, um, planting that seed of purity. Do you do that every time you make a post? Do you think about like your intention when you're doing it or is it more just like you're being creative and then you realize later what was happening? Hmm. I would say... I do that from time to time. It's more like an ayahuasca ceremony. Like maybe (laughs) once every few months, I'll have like a huge download like I did actually a couple of days ago where I was in a bath with all my beeswax candles and crystals and salts and all the things. Typically Enya is playing in the background, but this time it was just quiet. And the visual that I was given is I'm starting this new site that you'll be hearing about soon. Very excited. It's like a whole new creative project. Very exciting. And the download was particularly for that, but it really applies to anything that I get to touch and spread through the digital world. And it is that um, light and love coming through me. Then I type it up, whatever it takes to put it on the screen of somebody else. And it's like this activation going from my heart through my arm And I saw them as like little snakes. I don't know if it's because I'm like in a snake phase and I have a snake tattoo, but I saw these like little snakes going into the hearts of everybody who touches it on the other side of the screen and activating them. And it's like this upward movement of like spiraling, coming into their heart and like activating their heart to, I'm getting, I guess, 
wow, I didn't even realize what it was doing. But now that I turn into it, I'm seeing the full visual. But it's like going in a spiral from the heart to their head and activating their mind and the actions that, that they take through the heart frequency, through the love frequency. And that's really the intention of everything I do, all the content that is out there. And so it's not like every time I sit down before I make a post, I make a blessing, I burn Palo Santo, and I put some flower <laughs> elixirs on the screen. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not really like that. It's more like sometimes something just takes over and there's an energy. And I'm like, I'm just going to put a hand on my screen and I'm going to send a blessing to whoever comes in touch with this. Sometimes it's more like a visual thing. Sometimes I'm actually like moving things with my hands that are invisible and I don't know exactly what that is, but I just have to trust it in the moment. Um, so that's how I think about it. I mean, if you would be inspired by my 10 things, I, I, I could do, I could do a few more. I love your 10 things. I mean, the reason I love the 10 things is because I feel your heart through it. It's like people that I love in the world. That's why I love social media is because I can tap into the frequency of what's alive in you, what's moving through you and feel your heart and celebrate you from afar and cheer you on from afar. And I think ultimately that's why we all are drawn to social media. Yes, there's, you know, tendencies to go down the loopholes and get addicted. And that's just like life. But at the center and at the core of it, it's like this connection, this beautiful connection and like a mirror of, oh, wow, Katie's feeling this, I'm feeling this. Or, you know, a month later I'll be like, oh, wow, I remember Katie sharing this. And something just kind of clicks in and I don't feel as alone. So um, yes, I cheer you on for sharing that, but only if it comes for you from a place of celebrating yourself and knowing that you are worth taking up that space and you are valid and it makes a difference no matter how many people respond or not respond. And what do you tell people when they're like, oh, but Instagram and the algorithm and yada, 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 and I should have done TikTok, but I didn't do it at the right time. I thought that we were going to get banned because it was owned by China. So then we yeah. just like kicked it to the curb, but then we missed the boat. And then what do you tell people? Our human mind is always going to cling on to reasons of why not. And at some point it's the algorithm or I'm not you know, ethically aligned with who owns the company right now, which might change anytime too, you know, like also you, we just don't know the He's bigger serious. picture of things. Yeah. I was just diving into the world of this one Russian blogger who is like one of the most followed people in Russia. Instagram is currently banned in Russia, like completely. So you have to get a VPN and like go through these loopholes to get on it. And uh, she sells a course on people building personal brands on Instagram. And she was saying that what she's noticing right now, first of all, she had like the most high sales breaking all records ever. People who were not as serious about it, they just kind of cleared out. And people who are in the presence and awareness that there's some bigger medicine available and that they can share their gift and they can share their voice, people who are willing to do the work and show up, they are all seeing bigger and better results than ever before. And yes, it's not too late. You know, there's reels, which changed everything. Before reels, it actually was really difficult to be discovered by new people because the explore algorithms were actually not really existent like they were in the 
in the beginning in the platform. But now that Reels is there, when I'm scrolling on my home feed, I'm seeing so many people I don't follow. And part of me loves it because I get to discover so many new Ridgeback accounts and uh, all kinds of other random stuff that I clicked on. On the one hand, I want to see more people that I chose to follow. But on the other hand, I do get to discover so much magic and so many amazing humans. Like last night, I discovered a woman who has, I think she was Miss Utah. And now she's like homesteading with her husband who looks like Mark Ruffalo and seven kids. And they have like their own meat farm and you can order it anywhere in the country. And she like makes her own mozzarella. And (laughs) I was like, this is amazing. This is so inspiring and so beautiful. And so Reels is really the way to discover and to reach more people. So whoever is saying the algorithm hates me, um, yeah. <laughs> if you want to think that, there's always going to be some reasons to blame you not fully shining and stepping up. But it is not too late and it won't be too late for a long time. I'm still seeing people just enter TikTok or Instagram for the first time and just completely take over because we all need new inspirations and new faces. And I am grateful when I see people, new people show up. And I also feel like sometimes the less people know about like the strategy and the tech side of things, the better, because there's purity about it. I actually just had Jess Shear on my podcast who has helped an indigenous leader from Ecuador, from the Sapara Nation, start his TikTok. He came up to her and said, hey, can you help me with my Instagram? And she was like, okay, no problem. And she speaks fluent Spanish. So that's really wonderful. And she traveled to Ecuador many times. They ended up creating an online course together that teaches people how to connect to the spirit realm and to their own inner knowing through dreams which is a knowledge and a wisdom that the Sapporo Nation has been holding for many, many years. And now it's reached over a thousand people that have taken this course. And she traveled to the jungle. They filmed a bunch of clips of Manari answering questions people have. And it's gone completely viral. His TikTok has over half a million followers. The most viewed video is 2.2 million. And it's just one shot. There's no fancy effects. There's no fancy music. It's just him answering the question from the audience, which is, why do I wake up tired? That's it. It's not even in English. It's actually in Spanish and there's subtitles. So to me, it's kind of whenever you feel like you're overwhelmed by the algorithm, or you feel like you need to so many more tools and tech things and to understand the whole world, it's like, Find people who just reached a lot of people and blew up without any of that like Manari did just by posting these very simple clips, sharing the ancient wisdom and knowledge from his heart. Um, And make sure that you're seeing those examples and not just examples of people who just like strategy and this and like very brainy. Yeah, like I exist on the kind of edge between the two worlds. Sometimes I really love going into the strategy and the business and let's talk about the behind the scenes. And sometimes I'm like, I don't need any of that. I'm just going to show up and share. And I find that the more we allow ourselves to do that, to just show up from the heart, the more blown away we are by just how far that content goes. I had another person, Anna Gannon, she's a psychic intuitive. She took my course years ago And nothing was really moving the needle in terms of her social media growth. 
And then she just kind of made this decision that everything she shares is going to come from that frequency of love, that every single piece of content she puts out is that. And since she started doing that, she's gone to like over 100,000 followers from 5,000. She's flown to LA to do podcast interviews and she has a full-time business now doing this while having two kids. So it is not too late. And if you need those reminders, go and listen to those podcast episodes because this just all happened in the past year or actually less. So if you want to look for examples of why not, you will always find that and your consciousness will seek that out and it will be served to you on your explore page. And if you want to find reasons of why now your medicine is needed more than ever and why if we choose if you choose, if we all choose to just trust that medicine that wants to flow through us, that you'll be guided to exactly the right places. The right people will come to support you. But most importantly, you will feel like there's movement in your life because instead of holding on to the energy you've been given by mother nature, you're actually allowing it to move through you and pour through you and touch others. And when we allow ourselves to do that, there's always more. There's like more than we could ever imagine. And that's where you're going to come and listen to the part we talked about receiving. Because when we allow ourselves to be those vessels and we don't hold on to anything, we give it freely. What we receive is just completely mind-boggling. And that's my thoughts on social media. (laughs) (laughs) Spirit-led social media. sink in very deeply. Yeah, so I'm excited to see how that activates in you if it's meant to. Also honoring that, yes, there are sometimes periods where the business just needs all of you, and that's fine too. And like being absent from social media doesn't mean anything. You come back when you're meant to, and doesn't mean that people forget about you. Like none of these kind of old paradigm linear thinking things are true anymore. And it's like your heart wants to be shared and share it, even if it's totally out of context and people will think you're crazy. You are crazy. (laughs) You talk to flowers. We all are crazy. You know, I talk to crystals and think about the soul of my puppy and who it was before. It's like, this is what life is. I think exploring the mystery is a crazy thing. And that's cool. And that everybody listening to this podcast is into this stuff. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. I feel like there was one more thing that I wanted to ask you. Yes. You have traveled around the globe speaking with flowers and offering flowers to humans, probably animals too, and bodies of water and trees. What have you noticed about how different people around the world perceive flowers and work with them? And especially as it pertains to all of the global shifts that are occurring in the world right now. Tell me more about the global shifts. Well, for example, um, I was talking to my family in Russia and they never wanted to leave. They always have felt at home there. And for the first time ever, they all are looking at ways to leave the country. One way ticket. And I feel like there's just a lot of movement of both people starting to look into possibilities of their life paths going in ways they never expected. And also like what we talked about, just completely reviewing what we see as being true. The stories we've been told by society, by authority, and the stories we've been told by 
our ancestral lines and ourselves and kind of releasing that and writing a whole new story of a new world. Well, I can say that, I mean, just from my experience traveling, the biggest difference I see is that in the in the far, far east, people have such a deep and profound cultural understanding that's already existing. You know, if you tell someone in Japan or Korea or Singapore, or Taiwan, that trees have chi, they're like, well, duh, of course, you know, they have practices, you know, they have practices of like being able to absorb the chi from the trees. You see people in the parks doing it, you know, it's like, but of course, whereas in the Western world, it's much more of an uphill battle. It's like, natural medicine was pretty strategically removed from the world of medicine. Um, and as we moved more into an allopathic and pharmaceutical model in the last hundred or so years. So, but I see that also changing, you know, especially in the last couple of years, it's like, hmm, you know, so exactly like the same thing we were talking about before, like, hmm, things aren't always what I thought, what they seemed. And maybe I need to look deeper and, oh, maybe I had too many side effects from this or that or this thing, you know, maybe I should, try something natural. And I've seen so much interest in flower essences, like more than ever before, um, because people are looking for alternatives to this kind of system that's been set up for us. And they also want to take more responsibility for their own health and happiness. And then in terms of like global shifts around the world, I mean, it's been a really interesting time, right? Like um, it's been very interesting. We have people on our team who live in Canada, um, Singapore, Ireland, you know, some people were not able to leave their country based on choices that they made, or it's just like such a fascinating kind of mix of experience. Going forward, 2023, uh, and so many interesting astrological predictions for literally like the next what month and a half. Really? Um, yeah, kind of... Uh, especially in the eclipse time period and election time period and, you know, food shortages, kind of uh, warnings and, you know, crazy stuff like that. I think the more we can, like we said before, the more we can trust ourselves, the more we can reach out to community, the more we can find our tribe, the more we can be self-sufficient is, is a good thing the more we can learn how to protect ourselves is a good thing. Um, and more just in a sense of like empowerment. Um, you know, some of these like old school things, like, well, I've never done canning, but I'm like, that would be so cool to know how to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately it boils all down to that self-trust, really trusting yourself deeply that the decisions you're making are based on innate wisdom that resides within you it's a wisdom so big and grand that you can't really even imagine how big it is you don't have the capacity with your intellectual mind to understand how vast you are as a human being and to root into that as much as possible to kill doubts so important and to surround yourself with people who you can trust with your life and with different skill sets that can do different things. Oddly, I'm seeing, you know, wow, it's cool to be a plumber. It's cool to be an electrician. It's cool to know how to cook. It's cool to know how to, you know, shoot a gun. It's cool to know how to build something. Like some of these kind of old school things that, you know, as we've gotten into this digital world, we may have lost sight of are suddenly like interesting. What are your ancestral skills? 
I totally see you canning, by the way. But what are some of the other things that you would contribute to a digital-less village? I mean, all forms of medicine, like, you know, first aid and bandaging and, you know, what if somebody gets shot? Do you know how to pack a wound? Uh, what if someone has a heart attack? Do you know what to do? Are you going to be one of those people who's like, ah, or freaking out? Or are you going to just like calmly take charge and know exactly what to do? Those are the kind of questions I ask myself. You know, if there's a revolution in the United States, what am I going to do? I or if there's a possibility. It's a big possibility or some possibility. I really don't know. What will I do in those moments? How will I be strong? How will I maintain my emotional and energetic fortitude? And I think all the work that we're doing, you know, with inner work, meditation, flower essences, and anything you can do to root into your sense of truth and empowerment is valuable. You know, even something as simple as, I know this is really strange, but like, you know how before 2020, okay, let me just tell you this. I know we're trying to wrap up, but TSA, airports, if you don't want to have to go through that thing and put your arms up and get scanned, you don't have to do it. Now, whether you believe it is or it isn't safe, it really doesn't matter. You know, before they had much, much, much stronger boxes that they put people into and they said it was safe, but it actually wasn't safe. And then they replaced those out and now they have new ones and they say they're safe. My thinking, my critical brain goes, well, if you said they were safe before, but they actually weren't, and now you're telling me that these ones are safe, I mm -hmm. still don't believe you. So every time I go to the airport and I get on a flight, doesn't matter how late I am, how much I'm like running for the plane, I opt out. And in some way that gives me strength of like, if I want to say no, I can say no. I don't care if everybody else is doing it, I can say no. And those little micro movements help me. Last time I was at the airport, Ksenia, coming back from Charleston and I get in the TSA line and now they're doing biometrics. Mm -hmm. So they don't tell you anything. They don't give you any warning. You're just in that line and you're ready to show them your license or your passport. Right. But now all of a sudden now they're taking a picture of your face and reading your irises and looking, you know, and it's like, wait a minute. So because I've had all these years of building up that muscle of opting out, there's a term for it. I get up to the front and I said, well, here's my license. I also would like to opt out of the biometrics. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure. No problem. Hmm. And I'm looking at the hundreds and thousands of people coming through this line that are just mindlessly going along with it, accepting the biometrics. You know, whether you believe that it's a good thing or a bad thing doesn't matter. It's like, do you believe that you can say no if you feel like saying no? And it's that muscle of like, there's something about this that just doesn't feel right to me. I don't know. It just mm -hmm. doesn't feel right. I'm not. Then say no. It's a, mm -hmm. because maybe it's not that time that it's going to benefit you. Maybe it's like five years down the road when your awareness says, I'm sitting in my car and the door is open and I feel weird and I'm going to trust it and listen to it. So I close the door. And that's right when somebody was just about to yank me out of the car. You know? you're building a muscle. So it's that kind of like, uh, not, like when I say rooting into your truth, it's also like at what stakes, you know? Is it worth risking somebody getting a little upset or a little miffed or like mm -hmm. you're going against somebody's beliefs? Is that okay? Can you hold that? Can you hold, talk about space holding. Can you hold somebody else's emotional response 
and still be firm in the fact that like, you know what, I just got a weird feeling about this. I'm going to trust it. Or like something as simple as like your partner wants to go to a gathering and you're like, it's just, I'm not feeling it. I know how much you want me to go, but like, I just, something about it. I'm going to say no. It's all those little micro things. I think that add up to like you put it, choosing yourself, which at some point in the future may have bigger ramifications than just like a blip in the emotional spectrum. If that makes sense. Mm, yeah. It's such a profound and beautiful invitation. And the no sticky note that I have right here, it says, it's not about being liked, but being in my truth. And so, it, yes, that's like you said, that comes of with the risk of making somebody uncomfortable and holding that too. And I'm not used to that. What's wired in me naturally there, just kind of, if anybody's uncomfortable, make it nice right away or just like leave, run, <laughs> run, run. <laughs> so just like being able to be like, okay, this is my energy body. This is where they're at and I don't need to absorb it and I don't need to try to change it. That's been so huge. And somehow when you were speaking, Thank you. Like all of these invitations are landing very deeply. And I know for everybody listening to coming into the listening, coming into the truth and speaking up for it. I saw this glimmer, you know, we're talking about what's going to happen in the U S what's going on in society. And the glimmer that I saw is perhaps all of these rock bottoms we are, have been experiencing individually within our families, within our own lives. Yes. They have been yes. like this training ground for the yes. society heading that spot so that yes, we absolutely can hold it 500 million percent agree and that's why those energy grids are valid because like there's probably a certain amount of energy that's not even measured by the amount of people who have experienced those rock bottoms but just the amount of energy they can continue holding for the community for those who haven't done that work and not, are not meant to in this life but that's really giving me a lot of hope and trust and strength that we can handle whatever comes our way as long as we continue choosing ourselves, trusting, and um, loving. 100% agree. It's a different kind of leadership. And it, yeah, it really comes from within. And maybe someday it will manifest externally in more ways, more powerfully than we could ever project or imagine. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I could have not Such predicted where this could have gone. It's been so fun, Candy. <laughs> and so multifaceted, multidimensional. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you feel called to share? Mm -hmm. I mean, ultimately, my mind just goes back to like the simple joy of flowers. What's your favorite flower? Which mm. one have you not like been around, you know? Which one would you like to have more in your space? That that could be a good um, receiving too. You know, flowers are such like vitality and beauty, but it's also like, oh, could, could I have that in my space? What would you fill your space with? Which flowers would you fill your space with if you could right now? Mm -hmm. For the I listener and for you. I want yeah. an answer from you. Well, <laughs> I have a funny story for you. I went to Lowe's to pick up some plants for this home when I was finally starting to settle everything. I'm like, all right, plants is what really is going to bring it together because we left our plants with other people when we traveled. It's one of the reasons I was insisting on driving and Eric wasn't having it. So I ended up not driving and I lost all of my plants. I've been cultivating for years. Anyway, they got another life with the beautiful human being who's probably listening to this hate on. But 
I went to Lowe's and I got a few plants. There's the shingle plant behind me that attaches itself on the wall. And it's so cool. It has these like tiny little tentacles and it just like grows up on a wall. It's amazing. And I also got two cacti, one for me and one for Eric. And they had these beautiful flowers. One was bright orange and one was bright fuchsia. And I was like, look at this. How did nature make this? This is amazing. They're so colorful. It's unbelievable how bright they are. And then one of them died. One of the cacti died. And I started kind of disassembling it. And I read the description. It says cactus with a faux flower. And then I touched the flower and I realized that it was glued onto the cactus. (laughs) It was fake. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I bought them was literally just like a marketing move for me to notice them and buy them and be amazed by this flower. But it was fake. But it brought beauty in my life anyway. So I think sometimes it's okay if it's not even real. Whatever path leads us to more beauty in our lives, it's all good. What flowers would you fill in your room if you could? Or what one flower, three flowers would you do right now? Hmm. I don't know the names of flowers, but what is the, it might be an orchid. I'm looking at the image here. It's kind of like similar to this where it's white with like little Little fingers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the, the energy grid one, right? The fringed orchid. Electric communication, it says, yeah. Electric communication. Yeah, that one I found in Minnesota. It's a terrestrial orchid. It grows in the ground, but it's it's for helping you say exactly what needs to be said and exactly the way it needs to be said for the right people who are listening. Mm. You'd fill your room with that flower? Yes. And also just flowers that feel alive. Somebody sent me a huge bouquet of roses recently. And I was so excited to get them. And then I kept smelling them and there was no smell. And Eric worked in selling commercial roses to at grad parties when he was a teenager, one of his hustles. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, duh, commercial roses don't have a smell. And I was like, well, what's the point? You know, such a big part of their beauty and the experience of them comes from the smell. So for me, it's really about that. Like, are they alive? What was the purpose they were grown in? And what are the flowers? And I'm always attracted to colorful, jungly flowers. And I also, what makes me really happy is when you go to Spain or Italy, there's like all of these kind of bushes with flowers on the sidewalks. And there's just like this whiff. I don't know any of the names, but to me, it's this experience of walking on the street and feeling completely taken. And Austin actually happens sometimes too. It's like these bushy flowers that you wouldn't really notice with your eye, but you get the full body experience with their smell. That's what I would fill my house with, feeling like I'm in the forest. Okay, so then I would say, and I would interpret because of what you're drawn to right now, you're you're most interested in that form of intuitive electrical communication. You're um, kind of constantly feeling out what's real and what's not real, like what's faux and what's alive. <laughs> and also that sense of like being able to transmit something to people that's like, oh, what is that? even if they don't see it with their own eyes. Is that right? I love I mean, that. that. Yes. It does feel like you right much. now. Totally. Usually what we're drawn to most in the moment is like something we're kind of like working on and expanding. Based on that, what would you recommend I take? Oh, well, I, I think, how long have you been taking secret awareness? Probably about a week. I would hit that one hard for like six weeks. Mm. 
And when Katie says hit it hard, it's hard. <laughs> if you ever get to sit down with Katie and flowers, it's like, there's so many flowers. It makes you wonder, like, is there too much? But there isn't because they're very gentle. Assignment taken, doctor. I will hit it hard. You may notice mm, interesting interactions where you say things that are unexpected or in a way that you wouldn't say them. And it really hits people. Or you may notice that you hear things differently or perceive things differently. It's such a cool, such a cool remedy. You know what? It's already happening, actually. I had a conversation with somebody and they just made an assumption about me. And normally I would have been just like, I don't need to explain myself to this person. I'm going to hang up, move on with my life. But I was moved very clearly to say something about it because I could see how that could hurt not just me, but other people in similar situations. And I said it very lovingly straight up. That's it. Very firm in my truth. And it was received. So it's already activated. That's so cool to know. Wow. I love it. Makes me so happy. Heightened intuition, awakening, energetic perception. Yeah. And I've been also having really, really vivid dreams actually since I started taking it. Yeah. It's almost like it shines light into dark corners. Like suddenly you perceive things that you weren't perceiving before in ways that you, it's like channels you weren't using. It's really incredible how plants can show us these things about ourselves. They always do. Wow. Katie, thank you so much for bringing an extra layer of seeing to my working with this particular blend. And just overall, I'm so grateful to have you in my life and um, hope to see you in person when we come to Arizona for the Crystal <gasps> Show this year. Yay! Very, very excited about that. We'll see. Maybe we'll bring Shaq or maybe we'll leave her to be trained. I'll keep you posted, but I'm just so grateful to know that there are people like you, that there is you in the world and whether you choose to show up and share the 10 things or 100 things or whatever that is. You're always touching my heart and so many other people's hearts by just walking in your truth and walking in your trust and walking in your medicine and being the embodiment of what's possible for human beings. So thank you. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for your friendship, for your seeing, and for your sisterhood. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to be with you and evolve with you and see all the changes you go through and share all the changes I go through and the beauty of it all. And thank you for opening space to allow truth to emerge, even if it's scary, and for being so articulate in your wisdom. The way you express yourself is so beautiful and so relatable, and um, it touches me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Katie and I. Thank you for opening and softening your heart and getting present to what is calling for you, for perhaps starting a mindful dialogue with plants and flowers around you and maybe even inviting them as allies on your own path of transformation and coming back to the essence of who you are, love. If you are called to check out Lotus Way products, which I cannot recommend enough, it's one of my favorite things in the world, it's one of my favorite gifts, it's something that I share with everybody who comes to my house, something that I travel with. And if you are called to try it yourself, you can use code KSENIA15 on lotusway.com and enjoy your discount through the end of the year. And if you're listening to this past 2022, I have combined a list of all of the different flowers that were referenced in this podcast on kseniabrief.com. So just head to the show notes linked 
under the podcast, wherever you're listening to it, and you can grab all of the different things that we mention there in resources. Thank you for sharing this sacred space with us. Thank you for choosing yourself and have a blessed rest of your week.